Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he said to them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes to his father's, in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Here ends the reading. Thank you. You may be seated. It's good to see all of you here today. Thanks for setting aside this time in, in your schedule, making this a priority, what it means for us individually, but also collectively as we gather together as the body of Christ. To uh, set the stage for our message focus today, uh, I want you to ponder this thought with me. Why would anyone in their right mind want to be a firefighter? I mean, think about it. The hours are long, oftentimes long spanses of time apart from family or friends. Calls come in all hours of the day and night during those times of the years when it's the hottest, most humid days of the year and the coldest, most freezing temperatures outside. And above it all, it is dangerous, life-threatening work. So why would anyone want to be a firefighter? Well, I may not know all of the reasons, but this much I do know. It is because it involves the saving of lives. And that alone makes it worth it all. And what could be said of firefighters can also be said of any number of other professions, of, of law enforcement, emergency medical, military, those considered to be first responders. As challenging and demanding and life-threatening as those jobs might be. Yet for those who pursue such professions, if even one life is saved as a result, then it is well, well worth living out life that way. Even young children recognize this. And no wonder so many aspire to such professions already at a young age. Well, my friends... This sets a wonderful example for you and I as we spend time considering what our Lord asks of each of us as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because here in our gospel lesson just read for today, Jesus introduces to you and me the divine task of what we refer to as cross-bearing. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, I want you to keep in mind, at this point in our Lord's ministry, the disciples had no idea whatsoever that there was even a cross in Jesus' future. Yes, Jesus had just told them about that the Son of Man must suffer many things and that He must die. But Jesus had not yet made any specific mention of the cross. But even with that, Peter was already repulsed at the very idea of Jesus, the Son of God, having to suffer and die. Jesus, or Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. I can only imagine what Peter would have done, how more adamant he would have been, how much more repulsed he would have been had Peter known at this time that it would be death by crucifixion. I mean, the Apostle Paul reminds us from the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who dies on a tree. Now, for us as New Testament followers of Jesus, we already know that a cross was in Jesus' future. In fact, we know that a cross was part of Jesus' necessary future. He became a curse for us. Yet, how often don't we react like Peter at the very idea of cross-bearing? Who in their right mind would embrace that way of life? You see, from a human standpoint, you and I tend to view cross-bearing as a kind of curse. We're wired like C-3PO. Did you catch that pun, wired like C-3PO? All right, never mind. If you recall in, in, in Star Wars, A New Hope, C-3PO, after their pod had landed on Tatooine, says, we seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. And who of us likes that? I mean, we can sound like Winnie the Pooh's friend, Eeyore. Oh, poor me, I've got a cross to bear. Yeah, our attitude tends to parallel the Apostle Paul, what he wrote, cursed is everyone who is given a cross to bear. Well, my friends, here is where you and I would do well to reflect upon our Lord Jesus Christ and how He approached His cross. I want you to answer me a couple of questions here. Was it going to be easy for Jesus? No. And was the idea of pain and suffering, rejection and, and forsakenness, crucifixion and dying, were all of those things pleasant thoughts for Jesus? No, they weren't. In fact, we already get a glimpse of what was going through in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, in his anguish, literally sweated drops of blood. His anguish was that intense. Jesus prayed to his Father. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup, take this cross away from me. So why would anyone in their right mind even consider accepting such a responsibility and task? Why would Jesus, the very Son of God, 
knowingly and willingly come to this earth and offer himself up to suffer and to die. Well, this much I know. It is because it involved the saving of lives. It resulted in God's amazing grace being poured out into the hearts and the lives of sinful humanity. And for our Lord Jesus Christ, that alone made it worth it all. You see, rather than view it as a curse, Jesus saw his cross as a blessing. Already, Jesus embraced God's plan of salvation, reminiscent of what Joseph in the Old Testament said concerning his brothers when they had sold him into slavery. God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, or in words familiar and near and dear to us from our Lord Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It was all about the saving of lives. So despite the pain and suffering, despite the rejection and the forsakenness, despite the crucifixion and the dying, knowing full well what lay ahead for him, Jesus ended his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane by saying, yet not my will, but yours be done. And then he got up from his prayer, joined his disciples and said, come, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You see, when it comes to cross-bearing, Jesus has so much to teach you and me. And thus the writer of Hebrews exhorts us, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the what? For the what? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Who for the joy set before him? I mean, what was the joy that awaited Jesus in his dying on the cross? You. It was you. And it was me. It was anyone and everyone who was in desperate need of being restored in a right relationship with Almighty God. This was the joy that enabled Jesus to embrace God's plan of salvation and the cross of Calvary. As Martin Luther put it, Jesus did it to redeem me, a lost and condemned person, to purchase and win me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his innocent blood, but with, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, that I may live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. So what was it 
even though it meant pain and suffering? So what if it meant rejection and forsakenness? So what if it meant crucifixion and dying? Because it involved the saving of lives. Made it all worth whatever it was our Lord Jesus Christ had to go through on our behalf. That was the joy Christ had in the cross that He had to bear. So as you can see, my friends, for our Lord Jesus, His cross was not a curse. Far from it. It was a blessing, not only for us, but also for Him to be part of that process. Likewise, whatever sufferings and sacrifices you or I might have to endure for the eternal well-being of others, what a blessing that is for them, but what a blessing it is for us to also be part of that process. This is the joyous opportunity that our Lord Jesus sets before us when He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. When Jesus asks this of us, he is not burdening us with a curse. Rather, he is bestowing upon us a wondrous blessing, the opportunity to play a part in the eternal well-being of others of God's amazing grace being poured out in abundance upon others through us. I want you to answer me several more questions here. Will there be moments when it is hard and challenging and we just want to give up? Yes, there will. Will there be times when we are asked to step outside of our comfort zone? Yes, there will be. And will there be times when we are asked and called upon to make sacrifices, to give up some of our time, to put to use our talents and our abilities, to give and above and beyond from our resources? Yes. And here comes the best question of all. If even one person is saved as a result of our doing that, is it worth it? It's a tough question to answer but it most definitely is. Heaven's joy will become our joy. As Jesus himself teaches, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want to share with you a story about a man by the name of Mark Adden. Mark is a son of our congregation, and right around uh, the year 2000 was serving as treasurer of our congregation. If you've been around that long, you may remember Mark. Uh, Mark worked as a financial analyst for Dow Chemical. He was single, never married, uh, uh, owned a beautiful home, a 1974 Porsche 911, fire red, convertible, and let's under, suffice it to say, Mark was doing pretty, pretty good at what he was doing. In fact, at the age of 44, he and I are the same age, at the age of 44, Mark was already uh, well set for retirement. Well, right around the year 2000, Mark uh, got in touch with Pastor Luther wanting to have a conversation. And he said, Pastor Luther, what would it take for me to become a pastor? And Pastor Luther, first of all, whoa, whoa, where's this coming from, Mark? 
But with Pastor Luther's assistance, in a short period of time, Mark was enrolled as a student at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Just prior to, or by the end of the summer of 2000, leading up to his starting as a student there, Mark sold off everything he owned. His house, his possessions, his 1974 Porsche 911 fire red convertible, and what Mark could not sell, he simply gave away. Everyone thought Mark was crazy. And, when, and, and, and many of them were not the least bit hesitant to tell him so. Mark, why are you changing careers at this stage of your life? You're 44 years old. You're, you're, you're set for retirement. Why? I mean, look at what you're giving up. Don't you realize what you're getting into? The, the headaches you're going to be walking into? Ministry can be messy. The hours are long. Significantly less pay. And you sold the Porsche, Mark. You sold the Porsche. Why would you do that? Who in their right mind would do that? Well, I don't claim to know everything that was going on in Mark's heart and in God, Mark's mind at that time. Yet this much I do know. There were people who were dying all around Mark who were facing an eternity without Jesus Christ. And that weighed heavy on Mark's heart. And he wanted to do something about it. It involved the saving of lives. And for Mark, that alone was worth it all to give up whatever he had temporally so that he could make, make, so that he could make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Sadly, Mark passed away suddenly during his fourth year at seminary, his last year at seminary, 2003. The baptismal font over there was placed in his memory. But to be remembered for more than just a baptismal font was Mark's attitude, was Mark's faith, was Mark's behavior that he was ready to deny himself, take up his cross, and to follow his Lord and his Savior, Jesus Christ, wherever he might lead, regardless of the cost. That was the joy that was set before him. And the joy that Mark was ready to make, whatever the cost. To see others in an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. When I think about the ministry opportunities that we have just here at Cornerstone. Why would anyone want to get involved in faith formation ministries? Or care ministries? Worship ministries? discipleship ministries, serving ministries, outreach ministries. Why would anyone want to become a professional church worker, pastor, teacher, DCE, deaconess? Why would anyone want to be a follower of Jesus Christ knowing full well that there's a cross that lays ahead? There is a joy that comes from doing for others what our Lord Jesus Christ has already done for us. To be part of making an eternal difference, to be part of saving lives. 
That is what it is all about. Therefore, my dear friends, may you and I know the joy that comes from sharing God's overflowing grace with others. May we especially know the joy of Jesus that comes as we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow the lead of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.